1: Good morning and welcome to Autism Live on the Autism Network. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning and I love that opening. I always love that opening and I think soon we're going to be changing that opening disclaimer but the person that whose voice you hear for that disclaimer is our guest today and I, I know I say that a lot of people are, are one of my favorite people on the planet but And I mean it because I have a lot of favorite people on the planet, but there's only one person that I say other than my kid that I say, if he ever needs a kidney, just lift up the back of my shirt and point to which one you want. And that's Peter Farrick. And he's going to be with us today. He was our personal autism whisperer through our intervention. When you guys write in and say, Shannon, what did you do and and how did you do it? Almost, you know, I want to say this. He wasn't with us the whole time. But he, he came, he was with us in the beginning and he was with us in the middle. And then he went away. We'll talk about all of that with him and came back, uh, when we were finished with our ABA, but came back at a crucial moment when I needed him most. And I mean, I needed him most because I needed to know which direction am I walking, Peter. Um, and he is also the person who I said this the other day, when Dr. Grampy Shea was here, that he's the person who was like, oh, Shannon, you got to meet her. No. And I was like, no, I don't want to meet her. I only want to meet you, Peter. And um, and then I met her and I was like, okay, yeah, no, absolutely, Peter. Because uh, Peter is right about a lot of things in life. And he's going to be here with us uh, to talk with you and to answer your questions and for us to to chat it up as it were. Now, um, I also want to say, you know, I, I, as far as Ukraine goes, you guys. Oh my gosh, like so many of you, I have been in this morning and thinking, you know, we watch these images and whenever something like that happens in the world, whenever something bad happens in the world and people are having to scurry and leave their homes, and I, I, I'm sure like all of you, my first thought is this is terrible for all of humanity, but then very quickly my thought is, but what is it like for the autism family? I mean, to have to leave your home in the middle of, you know, the afternoon and go, I may never be coming back. Like, how traumatic is that? And then when you have little kids and having to drag them out into the street with you while there's, you know, bombs raining down on you. Good heavens. You know what I'm saying? But then then I consider what is it like for the families with the kids that are on the spectrum? And I I like, I literally can't breathe sometimes. And, and like all of you, I don't know what to do to help. Right. Um, but I know that, you know, everybody was like, well, wear some blue and some yellow in support. And heaven knows my closet is full of blue. I can do that. I apparently I have nothing yellow in my house except for this screen cloth. And so there we go. There's my blue and yellow. I'm a mom. I got the the screen cloth on and I am saying solidarity with Ukraine. Um it's not pretty cuz it isn't when you're a mom but uh that's what I've got cuz I and if and this is I just needed something to do today to say I'm thinking about these people. Obviously they're in my prayers as well and and I remember the first show that I ever did about autism was uh, I had a radio show called Everyday Autism Miracles and it was right after a massive earthquake in Haiti. And it was one of the first topics on the show about like, what can we possibly do for the families in Haiti? And I know we had reached out as a show, we reached out to the Red Cross and said, what can we do? And can I tell you that quite honestly, the Red Cross was saying things are so bad we don't have the ability to segment out and say, "What are we doing for the autism community because it's like, what are we doing for everyone right now That's how tragic it was. But can I tell you that since that time the Red Cross has started paying particular attention to the fact that just autism, but there are many special needs that that happen when when things of these natures, whether it's weather or earthquake or when it's man-made like this is who i can't even i can't even so our thoughts and our prayers are with ukraine and i stand in solidarity with my with my screen cleaning cloth you know uh, have screen cleaning cloth will clean i will you know if somebody can tell me something more that i can do please let us all know nasim we're saying hello to you and parker uh i'm so glad that you're here as well this morning i can't wait for you to meet peter P- parker says when. uh When, uh, when I was a boy, this is a quote from, uh, Fred Rogers, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, Fred uh, Rogers said to his television neighbors, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. What a great quote from Fred Rogers, who was Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Uh, what an incredible man that he was look for the helpers. I absolutely love that. Amanda's here with her blue arts. We're so thrilled you guys are here. We're live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. We love to hear from you. Please write in like these folks have done in whatever format that you're watching. We'd love to give you a shout out or answer questions because that's what it's all about here, right? This show is meant to provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community, of course. That starts with individuals who are on the autism spectrum, of course, but it includes every single one of us who loves individuals on the spectrum, right? That together we have a larger, louder voice and we all want to work to be better allies to the people that we love. That's what this show is about. We're not gonna always get it right, but you know, I always say I wanna be a student in the front row. Uh, yes, Christina, I saw that you got a new diagnosis this morning. In fact, I already Googled it. That's how uh, I was like. Well, I need to know what that is, and I'm interested to know what's happening next because I know you're having more tests. So, uh, but I'm glad that you finally got a diagnosis because I, I'm seeing, just from Google, that there that it's uh, can be very manageable with the right medical help. So I'm hoping that that you're finally going to get that you're finally moving into the portion where you've got answers. And now you're going to get to solutions. So I'm sending you a hug this morning. Ka, good morning. So thrilled that you are here. Excited that you're here because this guest that I've got for you, it's just off the chain today. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, that's like a probably 25-year-old phrase. What is that even about? Somebody tell me what the new hip thing to say when it's just, it's not even lit anymore. What is the thing you say when something is fabulous? Somebody tell me because I don't know. As you can tell, I'm not hip. I'm not even trying to be hip, not interested in being hip. I'm just a dork, and I'm proud of it. There there we go. All dorkdom. Uh, I'm all about it. Uh, Anyway, thrilled that you guys are here. Hey, uh, I like to tell you guys, especially on Mondays and Wednesdays, that we have lots lots of experts on the show, and oh, the one I have today. We're going to blow the roof off of this. Uh, uh, Amanda, you just started saying lit. Good. We're good together. It's lit today. Um, yeah, our guest today, you always want to know, uh, you know, how do we get it done? Who lit my fire? Who inspired me? Well, it's our guest today. So there you go. And, uh, Peter Farragh is going to be with us and yeah, he's everything. So, uh, but I always like to remind you that I'm not an expert that like, I'm just not claiming to be an expert, but I'm in your corner. That's the thing that you can count on. I want what is best for you. And I'm looking at you as an individual. And whether you are the person on the spectrum or you are a parent of someone on the spectrum or you're a sibling or you are someone in love with someone on the spectrum. And I mean that in the romantic sense or in the, you know, you're, you're their parent, whatever. Uh, I, I want to be here with you and help you to get to what's right for you. And I can't, I'm not a mind reader. So you have to tell me what's going on for you. Christina, hugging you hard, girl, hugging you hard. Uh, uh, yes, Peter, we, uh, we P- Parker, we can call Peter the, the gem whisperer. Absolutely. But he's more than that. Um, Okay, so I want to get through the jargon really quickly because I'm, I'm told that Peter's already here waiting and we don't want to make him wait because he's awesome. Uh, so we always do on Wednesdays the jargon of the day. And as you know, this year we've been tackling new jargon that apparently we would never done before because I can't even believe that 10 years and there was jargon that we hadn't done, but apparently. So today's jargon term is not a fun one. This is not like, yippee, uh, I get to know what this is. If you get to know what this term is, if you already have heard of it, or if something happens, I lost my solidarity rag. Um, there we go. Um, if you, if this term comes up, you're already in the skit. Right, but it's important that you know what it it is before you get in the skids because sometimes just knowing what it is can help you to avoid it. Okay. So let's take a look. We first we give you the actual definition. When possible, we make fun of it. We're not going to do that today because it's too serious. And then we give you a working definition to help you to know what the skinny on the situation is, you know, because sometimes you can understand what the thing is, but when you don't know what the consequences are for not doing something, like you gotta understand the context of these things, right? So let's take a look at what today's jargon term is again, new, we've never done it before manifest determination hearing. Oh, doesn't that sound like 68 kinds of fun? Guess what? It's not. So let's take a look at what our actual definition for this is. This is, um, it's a meeting to determine whether a student's misconduct in school has resulted from their disability. This step is required when the disciplinary action involves a request for a suspension or other actions involving removal from a program for more than 10 days. Oh, well that's some serious business, right? So if your kiddo does something that is severe enough that they start talking about consequences and among the consequences are, he can't be in this program anymore, she can't be in this school anymore. They can't be in this classroom anymore, or we're suspending them. And we want to suspend them for more than 10 days because, you know, IDEA says you can't suspend a student with a disability because we don't punish disability. Right. But this is where we get into this moment where they've got to have this meeting. And let's take a look at what our actual definition is so that we understand the context of this. Because what this is is serious business. This is serious business where you have to make sure that your child maintains their protections under IDEA. So if they start talking to you about a manifest determination hearing, you have to get your ducks in a row to show why whatever it was that happened was either a result of poor placement or poor management on the part of the school or that it resulted purely from their disability. Because if there are protections under IDEA, which is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act And under IDEA, IDEA, it says you can't punish someone for having a disability. So if your child, let's go to extremes. Let's say that your child picked up a desk and threw it across the room and hit some with it. Now that's serious business, right? And we can't have that. I think we can all agree on that, right? But did the child do that because of their disability? If they did then they can only suspend them for less than 10 days. And they can't take their program away from them, right? Because my question is, you know, I was like, what happened? What happened before? Why did this child pick up a desk and throw it? Because, and I'm just gonna talk in terms of autism right now, but this covers anybody who has any disability. If you have autism, it is not a symptom of autism that you pick up desks and throw them. And you didn't just do it randomly. That doesn't exist. So why did this individual pick up the desk and throw it? Did they pick up the desk and throw it because no one was supervising the class and they were being hit by other students? In that case, that is a mismanagement of the classroom structure and it is not your child's fault and they cannot lose their program because of it. You know, Um, then the school has to change what they are doing and the supports that they're providing. Did the child do it because there was a blinking light and the blinking light and we have a documented sensory issue and the child cannot handle it when there are blinking lights? Because I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know that I'd pick up a desk and throw it, but probably eventually I would Um, because I can't handle that, right? Um, and so if it is documented that this individual cannot be around strobe lights, that they have severe reactions, then that then you can't remove them from the program. Again, you got to change the strobe light. So the thing that's horrible is that usually a parent doesn't hear this term until it's happening. And when it's happening, it has to happen quickly, like quickly, and you don't have time to get your ducks in a row. So I, I wanted to bring this up today to, to make sure that you guys have this term in your back pocket that you know, and, and I really would rather talk about how we don't get to a manifest determination hearing. That if there is any behavior that is happening in the classroom that is challenging, that you demand and I Like they send home a note and say, Johnny did this in class today. The first thing that you do is you start an email train and you say, well, what happened? Is anybody taking data on that? Does anybody, did anybody have eyeballs on the situation? Because my kid just doesn't do things randomly, right? And and you would think that the school knows that, but they act like they don't. Um, some of, not everybody, right? Um, so you got to, anytime a note comes home about behavior that is not appropriate, you got to be challenging them. What happened? Ask them to do uh, a functional behavior assessment on it ask them to put a behavior intervention plan in place and be a part of deciding what the behavior intervention plan is and have the behavior intervention plan attached to the iep there's a box on the the first page of the iep that says behavior intervention uh attached and when they check that that means that the bip the behavior intervention pan, plan is a legal part of that legal document and if they don't follow it It's certainly not your child's fault. It's theirs. We have to protect our kids. We have to protect our kids and make sure that IDEA is great. IDEA is great. It's not perfect, but it's great. And it put a lot of protections into place for our kids. But remember, it has never been fully funded. Thank you very much. We've heard a lot of people talk about over the years that they're going to fully fund it. Joe Biden has promised us. And standing next to his wife, Jill, who's an educator, they have promised us that they are going to fully fund IDA. I understand there's been a pandemic, but I'm still holding Joe accountable. Said you were going to do it. Where is it? I, I need to see it. It needs to be fully funded. And as parents, we got to fight, 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 fight to make sure that our kids maintain rights. I also want to say one more thing. Manifest determination hearings are hard and a lot of schools lose them because more parents are getting smart. So they found a way around it that what they'll do is they'll suspend your kid for 10 days. They'll let them come back for one day, suspend them again for 10 days, let them come back for one day, suspend them. Don't let that happen to you. Lawyer up, advocate up. Don't let your child be shoved to the side and not be educated. The letter of the law says that your child has a right to a free, appropriate public education. That doesn't mean that they're going to serve it up on a platter. We got to get serious, put our dukes up and fight, fight, fight. Uh, Parker says, I had that hearing when I was a senior in high school. I was kicked out of school uh, and sent to a center in Ohio. Parker, I'm sending you a hug. Uh, cause I, you know, I wished I'd been in your school cause you're amazing. Uh, okay. I, uh, cause I'm going through this right now, my son had all these behaviors never brought to my attention until I filed for an IEE and the FBA showed all these behaviors. And now he has a BIP and I want an ABC log. Oh girl. Uh, have you written to me separately? Cause let's, let's have a chat. There's a lot there. There's a lot of jargon there. There was a lot of jargon there. For those of you who followed that, give yourself a gold star. You're doing well. Um, But yeah, don't let them, if they did not notify you and all these things were going on, don't let them squeeze your child out of their program because they clearly don't know what they're doing. Uh, Can they do that without a manifest meeting each time? No, they have to have, in order to uh, if you're if it 's as a result of a behavior that your child did and they 're going to take them out of a program no in fact there 's a thing called prior written notice if they 're going to change anything, they have to give you prior written notice so ask them where 's my prior written notice you 're in violation. Um, but let's, let's get you an advocate. Parker says we need Bonnie and other advocates in the, in the partners, uh, parents corner. Yes, we absolutely do. But don't forget, Bonnie always recommends that you go to copaa.org. Uh, that's the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, and that that's a great place to start if you're looking for an ab- advocate, right? Okay, uh, moving on up here. we got we got to get to our guests. What's our question of the day? We have a question of the day for you. You guys can write in about it and tell us how you're feeling about that. Uh, and then we're very quickly going to jump to the, uh, the topic of the week cause we got to get Peter in here. You ready? Question of the day. What gives you great joy? Well, I'll tell you what gives me great joy. Our, our first guest, our only guest today, he gives me great joy. He makes me happier than just seeing his face because you know why I am so conditioned to seeing his face or hearing his voice and knowing that it's all the good things for my child. Do you know what a wonderful, wonderful thing? I, Amanda says my kids absolutely. I had a text back and forth with my son this morning uh, as he was off to you know his college classes, and he sent me a uh, a text. Uh, he said, "Oh, I found this really fabulous tie, mom," and you know what that means, mom. I want you to buy it for me. And um, and I looked at it, and um, and it's a sixty nine dollar tie, and I said, "Yeah, that's a nice sixty nine dollar tie." Where? Where are you wearing that too? And I said, I, I I said something snarky, like, does it fold laundry for $69? Uh, and I said, is it silk? And he said, well, it's, it's uh polyester silk feel. <laughs> and we went back and forth. Um, anyway, so uh, that, but, but you know what? If you had said to me when he was three, don't make me cry now. If you had said to me when he was three, that that's the kind of text that we would be doing when he was off to his freshman classes uh, at college, I would have wept. I would have wept and said, really, these are the kinds of conversations that we'll have and enjoy. And, and, in large part due to the man that's going to be with us in just a second here. Uh, Anna says when my son smiles and hugs me and my husband and daughter, I absolutely love it. Uh, Uh, Parker says food gives me great joy. And also my mom and also Shannon does as well. And Parker, you give me great joy as well. So there we, there we love. Ka says any growth in my son's journey brings me joy. Amen. Amen. Uh, and Natalie said, my kid is four and we've got the, the tears going. And she says, you give me hope. Wait till you meet our guest. Okay. Let's go to our topic of the week so that you guys can see what we got going on here. Uh, all this week, what we've been talking about. I don't remember. So that's why I'm pausing. Oh, scheduling breaks. Oh my gosh. We have to have t- moments out of time, right? I know it seems weird because we just went through the holidays and that was too much break. Can we all be honest about that? There's just too much break during holidays. But now we're into that period of time. We're in February where it's like you get one holiday off. I'm not talking about a holiday because ho- you know what's wrong with holidays is that you lose your services during holidays. So that's not a holiday for you. Right. I'm talking about taking a a break in the and with some tea, putting a tea bag in and taking a sip. That's a break. Right. Taking a breath. I forget to do that all the time. Taking, stopping to go to the restroom because sometimes some of us get busy moming and we were like, I'll go to the bathroom next hour. Right. This is not good for any of us. Uh, so you got to schedule these things in. You know what I said to Matt Asner the other day, I said, when, when you, uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? So we have to schedule in breaks for our kids. We have to schedule in breaks for the people that we love, but we have to start by modeling the behavior ourselves, scheduling breaks. Uh, oh, you give me so much hope too. Let's make sure you email me for those of you who need to email me, by the way, I didn't really talk about the fact that we're live in all those places and that we're, a uh, free podcast. You can get a uh, down, free download wherever, wherever we get our podcast. Please like us, share us, review us, all of those things. And my email is on the screen right now. But for those of you who are listening, because many of you do the audio podcast, it's Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N at autism. I know you know how to spell that. Hyphen, that's the dash in the middle, live, L-I-V as in Victor e.com. Okay. All right. It's time. Peter Farag, hi, I am one, I'm so thrilled you're here. Peter Farag is joining us right now. I We do call him our autism whisperer. I don't call him Jem's autism whisperer, Parker, because he is an autism whisperer to kids all over the world. And I mean that literally all over the world. He's a remarkable man. You hear me talk about him all the time on the show and you've heard his voice for the last few years. He did the disclaimer for us. Uh, so I'm welcoming the amazing, the fabulous Peter Farrig to the show. Peter! I can't hear you. Is your mic on? Oh, no. Oh, no. All right, while we're figuring out his mic situation, I'm going to say nice things about him uh, which I do all the time behind his back. So when our kiddo was diagnosed with autism, let me tell you that, first of all, I, uh, I initially said no to ABA and then people were, I I was, we were in an early start program that didn't have anything to do with ABA. And I heard great things and horrible things about ABA. Um, but I had said, no, you know, I'm not going to do this, but, and then, uh oh, I heard something. Was that you, Peter? No, I thought I heard something. Um, I got, my work sent me to a home. Uh, and, it, cause I was designing closets. That's a long story. Uh, cause that was the only work I could get. I had a master's degree in theater, but I needed, you know, for Jem's early intervention, I needed a different job. So I got sent to a home uh, of amazing people. We have to get them on the show. Um, and I was asked to design a closet for them. And in the course of being there, they, you know, I, Kind of lost it. The dad is this really nice person and he was being uber nice and asking me all these questions. And I kind of lost it and said, Listen, my life isn't like yours. You have this amazing family and you clearly have this amazing kid because uh, he kept telling me about his kid. And I was like, You know, uh, and while my kid is amazing, my kid has autism and he's two and, you know, he may never speak again and da 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 da. And the dad said, Oh, well, you know. You've come to the right house. Let me straighten you out. You're so lucky because and and he was the first person who told me about Card and he started talking about. He said we have this one therapist that works with our kid that is he, just being in the room with him is life changing. I didn't know it at the time, but he was telling me about Peter Farrick, and then later we started our services with Card and the very first therapist that ever came to our door was Peter Farrick and I don't know what I was expecting y'all I. I I was sort of expecting like a guy in a suit because I didn't know, you know, this therapist, this behavior therapist is going to come to my door and he's going to come in and do therapy with my kid. And Peter comes to the door and Peter was a very young man at the time. And, um, he, I, you know, I don't know what he's wearing sporting right now, but at the time he had a big old gold earring in one ear and he had, uh, I don't think there were dreadlocks, but he had braids. And he ha- had this, he, you'll see, he has this booming voice and he came in and I was like, the first thing I thought was he reminded me so much of the genie from Aladdin. I was like, he they sent me the genie from Aladdin to help my son. And he came into our house and changed our lives, our world. He showed me that my child... I thought my child had stopped interacting and he showed me that that was not true, that I needed to change what I was doing to get my child to interact. But he worked uh, both minor and major miracle in our household. Uh, I will tell you that in the beginning, he, with the, the supervisor that we had, I, was, I had read Christina Adams' book and I was like, I want you to get right to it. I, I want to see what this ABA thing looks like. And he would just <clears throat> come in and, imp- oh, I heard him, I heard him clear Test. his throat. Tests? Peter!
0: Hey! I heard you. Yay! Right. So
1: I, I finally have gotten to the part where you're at our house. I don't know if you were listening to that. Yes, yes. Uh, but you came in, and for the first three months, you just, as I recall, you only worked on two things. You worked on rapport, building rapport with him, and you occasionally worked on eye contact.
0: Yeah. And and, compl- and some simple compliance
1: and, and simple some compliance. There compliance, we go. Yeah. I knew you'd remember. And, yeah. and what I remember, and I talk about all the time on the show, Peter, is that you would come in, you like wanted to know everything that he loved and he loved Peter Pan. He was Peter yeah. Pan all the way. And so you would come in and you, the first thing you would do, I had a stack of construction paper and you would tear construction paper swords so that you could fight with each other. And the reason why you tore them instead of cutting them was so that nobody would get a paper cut. It would take you several minutes, but then you would play pirate with him with the swords. And my kid still thinks that you are the most amazing thing ever. He looked forward to you coming like, Like people tell me, oh, my child doesn't like when the therapist comes. And I go, it's it's because they're not doing enough to make them them like it. You made sure that he loved it. But then later on when you explained to me that you would be sorting with him and then you would freeze. Tell them why you would freeze. Uh,
0: Well, I wanted to start bringing him out and having him interact with me. I think that was one of the things that for me was, okay, the next step is once I see – so always for me, it was like, I'm just, I was looking for that look. I was looking for something, some, some, some subtle behavior, something in the eyes, some, something. I wanted some eye contact. I wanted some interaction. I wanted him to be there present, not just focused on the sword play, you know? Um, and that was kind of just, uh, it would trigger that, like, he'd look at me and then, you know, okay, step one. And it was like your on button. The next thing. Yeah, yeah. It was like
1: the on button and Peter mm-hmm. would start fighting mm-hmm. with him again. Mm-hmm. And, and you were like this ginormous ball of fun. I used to think (laughs) that we were gonna get evicted because we lived in a condo that we were in the middle condo. So there were condos on other side of us and there were condos on one condo on top of us. So noise was certainly an issue always. And Peter would come in and anytime my son would do something, you, you were big on throwing him up in the air and going, dude. Yeah. And, and going, <laughs> dude, very loud. give me five. Yes. And you were loud yeah. and you were rambunctious. <laughs> and my kid just loved it. But I would yeah. sit there and I would go, we're going to get evicted. We're going to, somebody's going to complain. Um, fortunately, the people in the condos around us were working during the day then. So, you know, we, we got through it, but, cause I would have said too bad. Uh, do you know what I mean? And, and and you made it so reinforcing you also made it reinforcing for us and you i know i tell you this all the time that you will never never know or understand how much you have meant to us and and what what you did for us at that time um but i every day i'm grateful for you peter every single day And, and for what you did, because I, I don't think, I think I'm still realizing Peter, because I only had you in the beginning for three months. That's it. And I want people to realize that because you go, I know everybody writes in and says, I've got this great therapist and now they're leaving and they're going someplace and you go, it's the end of your world. Been there, done that. Peter was with us for three months in the beginning. And then you left to go to Florida. And were you in Florida for like a year and a half? I know we can't talk about the specifics of it, but I you were gone in so. Florida for was, a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was in no, Florida. I was in Florida for about six months.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then when you came back, we lobbied to get you back on our case. And I think we had you for like a year, year and a half at that point.
0: Yeah, I believe so.
1: And so, but that first three months, man, set us up for success. We we got a lot done in the six months that you were gone. But when you came in and did that next like year and a half, you were with us, I think right up until he went to kindergarten. It was sometime after he went to kindergarten that then you left to go to Dubai.
0: That's right, yes, that's when I went to Dubai, correct.
1: And you were in Dubai for two years?
0: Two years, that's correct, yeah.
1: And by the time you came back, Jem had graduated from his program, mm-hmm. but he then we reached a point when he was in school and we were done with intensive ABA, But I, his placement was changing in school and I wanted some eyes on it. And so we requested, and you were in town and I said, can we, we had a a therapist who knew him really well come and we said, can we also have Peter come and observe? And that is when you gave me the famous, uh, you threatened to kick me with your shoe (laughs) outside the school. Do you recall that?
0: Yeah. Was it a shoe? I don't remember exactly. You said, you said... said,
1: do I need to kick you?
0: Yeah. So what are you doing? And
1: I was like, excuse me, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing that you said to me was, you said, when, uh, when exactly did you give up? Yeah. Oh, you guys. <laughs> like, I know everybody right now just went, oh, can you imagine if your autism whisperer said that to you? And I said, what do you mean? And you said, look, he's making great progress. He's doing really well. But when did you decide that this was enough and decided you didn't want to go for more? And Peter, you know, you just, oh man, that made me get off because I got comfortable. I didn't give up. I got comfortable, which is almost the same thing. So you did that then, uh, then you, you've dropped in from time to time. And then my favorite thing is when he graduated with honors last June, right? And I said, we only get four tickets. I've got one ticket. Peter, do you want to come? And you, you were—you had a broken ankle. You were in a cast, and you were like, "Oh, I'm coming." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you and I sat on the bleachers and cried like Girl Scouts who'd lost their cookies. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no shame. No shame. <laughs> and, you know. Uh, somewhere I, I wanted to look for it last night. I didn't have time. Somewhere I have my favorite picture in all of humanity, which is a picture of you on a, Jem's first bus ride. Uh, there's a picture of the two of you hanging out the window, him waving to me, and you've got your mirrored sunglasses, <laughs> aviator glasses on. You look cooler than cool. And you guys are off to go on a field trip. To- yeah, Amanda says I'm bawling. That's so amazing. Yes, I hope that all of you have a Peter in your life. And Cass says I'm sitting here in a puddle of tears. I love, uh, I love the freezing to get him to engage. Yeah, Peter is brilliant, and Peter also taught a lot of people on our team. So even when when he was gone, his influence was there. I still meet therapists that you know, were trained by you, Peter, and they grew up to be amazing professionals too. But you know, you have something extra, something special. I don't really know what, but, you know, and I don't want to speculate about it, but because I think it's just Peter. Um, But you see things in a way that I don't think that your average person does. I think you're very good at teaching people, but I, I think that they, you know, you have something extra above and beyond. Unfortunately, I'm not going to let you speak today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to talk about you. So, Peter, tell—I want you to tell them a little bit about you, because one of the other things that people go, well, you know, we get these behaviorists who come to our door, and I want to know how much training and what their background is, and if they haven't been to college for psychology. <laughs> so, how did you come into being uh, in this field? Let's start there.
0: Oh boy, that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I was working at Starbucks, actually, at the time. I was a Starbucks barista and Dr. And probably
1: the best one. I don't know about
0: that. (laughs) I still do actually make a pretty mean cup of coffee. I'm not going to lie. Um, (laughs) But uh, Dr. Grand-Pichet was one of my regulars, actually. And um, I started kind of just picking up on her. You know, people always say, oh, I love people watching. I love people watching. Okay, I love people watching. And I liked analyzing what was happening with people before ever stepping foot into an an autism treatment facility um it was just something i was passionate about and i started picking up on the way dr grand pichet was dressed coming into the store like i knew that okay if she was in a rush and you kind of told like you knew what kind of day it was by the look on her face how quickly she was coming into the store i'm pretty sure that was a latte day I I think I still remember it. And then if she was coming in and she was more relaxed, it was a mocha day. So I just kind of like, I'd see and I'd start having it prepped and ready by the time she even got to the counter. And she was just like, how do you know which one it is I'm going to get? And I was like, I just kind of read your behavior and I can tell. And I didn't get it a hundred percent of the time because no, you know, that's not possible, but she really got a kick out of that and was just like, you know, so we started talking and communicating regularly. I was of course living in Los Angeles. So, you know, if you're living in los angeles and you're in the service industry you're one of two things so i was the actor uh, yes. pursuing that dream um and then you know just seeing that that was just not there was nothing happening there it just wasn't coming to fruition so i decided i was going to join the ther- the uh, the military and I started meeting with a uh, recruiter and started going in that direction and uh, was communicating all this with Doreen because we'd started develop, or Dr. Grampy because we'd actually started developing a little bit of like a friendship, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, no, come work for me. And two decades later, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. I, at that time I had only, I only had a, uh, when we talk about like, what's their training, what's their experience, like what's their education at that time, I'd only had an, a high school education, um, and was, uh, didn't have plans to actually go beyond that, actually, to be honest.
1: And, and here's the thing that I want to say to all of you watching that don't judge like the criteria that we have in our mind, like, remember, I thought that somebody was going to show up in a business suit with like an attack, you know, one of those like messenger bag, leather bags, like I thought that's what was going to (laughs) show up and Peter showed up and thank God it was Peter. Right. So don't be judging your therapist by what they already know because they might be Peter. They might be the next generation of Peter. So have them come in and see what their rapport is with your kid. Now, Sarah has written in and says she's in Dubai and she would like for you to come back. <laughs> uh, so, and and Sarah, you know, uh, this this gentleman does travel. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's, you love Dubai. Am I, am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did. I so, Dubai, absolutely.
0: I, I don't
1: know. Yeah. You know, perhaps uh, you could have a conversation. Uh, he's But he can't come back to stay, Sarah. That's the thing. If you need him to come and consult, I, I'm sure that that could be arranged, but you you can't have him to stay. I They were so worried when they, uh, apparently they knew he was going to Dubai and everyone was so worried that I was going to lay down in front of the plane on the tarmac um, <laughs> to stop him from going that first time. But I didn't. I was so proud of myself when you told me I, I said to you, you know what? Yes, it's time. We need to share you with other people. This is what you need for your career. I'm in support. I then, when you left, cried crocodile tears, but, uh, but I knew it was what was best for you. And I knew that you so but but you can't have him full time sarah because we love having him in los angeles too much but she does have a quick question for you she says uh she says i have an amazing therapist love her to bits but my twins who are two and a half years old cry every time she comes but once they start the session they're fine uh and she says i'm kind of embarrassed when they cry because she's so dedicated and amazing do you have any words of advice peter
0: yeah absolutely well i I mean you can probably help with uh from the mother perspective about being embarrassed um but i will tell you that most of the therapists don't take it personally so that's one thing that you can let go of is like uh and look jim wasn't always happy to see me there were times Mm -hmm. where he just did not especially that friday afternoon session
1: oh yes yeah that
0: friday afternoon session he just it was tough it was tough he just those were tough for him Um, um And you know sometimes depending on your children and the circumstances whatever that the activity they were doing beforehand um could actually evoke some of that so figuring out what it is to kind of transition them into therapy time whatever works for you as a family whatever works for the team um maybe having an idea where it, you know the therapist comes in um already knowing what you all are doing as a family and comes into that so it's a more seamless transition um there are always like strategies like that that you can come up with but one thing that I always tell parents is like if there's something very reinforcing or very fun that you're doing right before therapy session and it could even just be like a just sitting down and watching tv break like just a relaxing break it's going to be very hard for them to readjust and go back into like okay therapy mode it's time to learn now
1: yeah well, and I mean, if you just think about it and I think, you know, um, if I love mom and mom is amazing and I'm getting to spend time with mom, you know, my second favorite person in the world can come in. But if I know that and I love them, but if I know that that means that mom's going to go in the other room, it would make sense to me that I would be like, no, I don't want to do that um, until we get started doing something fun. Right. So um, but I I so appreciate you saying, Sarah, that it embarrasses you Um, I hope that your therapist is secure in the fact that she's amazing. Tell her how amazing she is all the time. But, you know, I think that the people in your profession, Peter, are so good at not taking a child's behavior personally. I say this all the time when I'm talking to professionals that like, you know, the kid comes in kicks the door on the way in, pees in your shoe, throws a toy, and you guys (laughs) never take it personally. You're never like, well, I must be a bad therapist. You always think, well, he came in with that. That's who he is. He's having a rough day and you don't take it personally. Uh, The thing I'm always trying to get them to do is not take it personally when the parents are having a bad day and not think that it makes them a bad therapist. But I'll bet that she does not take it personally that your twins are crying. Uh, Jay says, wow, in our country, we need formal qualifications to work with children. And Jay, you know, I don't, certainly Peter didn't walk in from the Starbucks and go right into helping a child. He had pretty extensive training. Um, it, you know, first he observed, then he you, you did one-on-one, then then he had to have a field evaluation before he ever got to work with a child. And now, you know, now certain, uh, insurance companies require you to have an RBT or a BCAT to be able to do that. But we're talking, oh my gosh, eight, you know, 17 years ago, 18 years ago. Um, and, and Sarah says, send me the details. Let's connect Sarah. If you email me, I will get you connected, uh, with, uh, Peter. And she says, she totally agrees. Uh, she says, I am the problem. now, (laughs) Sarah. Don't word it that way. That's not a problem. That means you're the most reinforcing thing. That's not a problem. Is it, Peter?
0: Not at all. No. <laughs> no, no but no.
1: use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda says, when I was working, uh, I never took anything personal. I have patience for everybody else's kid except my own. Join that club. Amanda. Sarah says, when I'm home, it's more difficult. I am told when I am not there, the transition is better. That just means that you're the most reinforcing thing. You can work with that. Kyle uh, wants to know, do you feel that children can relate and work better based on je- the gender of the therapist, Peter? That's a great question. That is
0: a good question. Uh, you know, it's really, it depends on the child. I think every child connects with every person differently. Yeah. I haven't, you know, some kids, Some kids are. They specifically need a male therapist. Some kids specifically need a female therapist. Um, But uh, I haven't seen like it overwhelmingly like a um, shift more towards one or the other, to be honest.
1: Can I be honest and say to you that I think that if you are a parent of a boy on the spectrum, that you should be pushing for there to be at least one good male therapist on your team. I feel very strongly about that you know, and my son will not appear, uh, yeah, I always get approval, um, to, to say things on the show and I didn't get approval for this and I'm going to catch, you know, what over it, but th- there came a time when, um, you know, stuff happens downstairs and, uh, boys will put their hands in their pants because stuff is going on down there, whether it just needs to be rearranged or, you know, whatever is happening. And, um, Neither my husband or or I were successful at addressing that for lots of different reasons, um, you know, because we're the ones who were changing his diapers and doing like so he wasn't getting that information from us. We weren't the people he was going to go to. And I'm talking he was what, five, maybe four or five, Peter. Yeah. And and Peter, the, I remember the day that Peter was like, OK, here forgive me, you guys, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go, you know, Peter's going to go, here's how we rearrange our junk without putting our hands in our pants. And, you know, and here's how, you know, and, and like, you know, my husband and I stood there and we were like, this is a fascinating lesson. And, (laughs) but he needed someone, a cool dude, you know, earlier I was saying, I don't know what the, what is the phrase anymore? Off the chain, it's lit. Oh, I don't, please, you know, I've, like we, I've
0: given up on like being I, cool a long time. Right.
1: I, I don't know what the things are, but there's also behaviors that are acceptable and not acceptable di- during different things. It's important to have a guy on the team. If you have a boy, I'm just going to say that. And, and the guys are few and far between. Whereas I do not feel that way when it's girls. I, I think if I don't think that you need to have a male on the team. I really don't. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I'm of the mindset, save the guy therapists for the boy team. There are so many more boys getting therapy than girls, you know, whether that's right or wrong, but there are so many great girl therapists. There's a plethora of girl therapists. Girls should have girls and boys should have girls and boys. That's my opinion. No, (laughs) no one cares what my opinion is, but, uh, but that's what I think because it makes sense to me. Right now when girls are older and teenagers, I definitely think there's a benefit to having male therapists on the team then, but I don't see the benefit when they're little girls. I really don't. Now there have been some amazing, like I know you have done some amazing work with amazing little girls. And I know Vince Redmond, you know, all we have to do is look at the recovered video and see the relationship that he had with Jana that he has to to this day. There's nothing wrong or bad about it. I just think that we should be saving the men for the boys teams. Um, Parker says, Peter, have you ever had any flack from self-advocates about ABA? Other self-advocates are calling me out for supporting ABA.
0: Yes. that is the short answer um you know and i think that uh aba in and of itself is um there are shades of gray there and i think that that's one thing where um yeah i've seen where the uh, some people have called me out and they've had valid concerns about their treatment and uh the forms of aba that they um received uh so yeah i definitely have um you know, it's hard to approach with certain people, uh, but with others, it's easy to kind of just say, like, "I look, I'm with you. I, I, I'm more about a human connection before I even talk about ABA because, um, exactly, really, ABA was uh, is a science about human behavior. So it's not about autism, really. It's the most successful treatment for autism, but it wasn't a science that they created to treat autism. You know, and we all know this now. And those are the questions that were happening when I started in the field, uh, but you know, I, I've, I've used ABA on myself, honestly. Of course. Uh, so, um, yeah, I have. Uh, and, uh, I think one thing that I try and do is like, if I approach every, every person, um, with love, compassion, kindness, thinking about values and what's important to them, then, then the ABA is easier to adjust for
1: them. Yeah. Uh, You know, this weekend, I'm um, scheduled to go to CalABA, I'm on a panel where we're talking about how neurodiversity and ABA um, should go together. Um, That's what the panel discussion is on, and I'm there to represent caregivers and our concerns about ABA and how it, you know, it needs to be embracing neurodiversity. And, um, the, as I've been thinking about and looking at the questions that they've already got for me before the audience questions, I keep going back to those early days, Peter, that this is how you came in the door to me. You said, he's an individual, um, and we're, and I'm going to figure out what makes Gem tick and, and what are the things that he wants to learn and that we want him to learn. And then we're going to teach him those things in a compassionate way. It was, there was never you didn't you didn't come in and no one ever came in and said, "Well, we're going to change him so that he fits in better." Like that just didn't happen for me, but I do know parents that that is how their ABA professionals approach them, and part of why I'm on the panel to say that's a giant turnoff, y'all. Like, you know, I know it's a turnoff for advocates, but it's a turnoff for the caregivers too. Our kids are fabulous. And we want people to come in the door who think that they're fabulous. And, and when I speak to professionals, I always say to them, I, you know, the, the biggest advice that I can give you is act like you like my child, even if it's like you have to pretend, because that is the gift that you gave us, Peter. You came in the door and I had the feeling that you couldn't wait to be there to work with Jem. That Jem, like it, it was, it was exactly how I feel when you watch Bono in concert. If you go to see Bono in concert, there's going to be a million people in the stadium and everyone leaves going, no, I swear he made eye contact with me and he was singing with me. Everyone sets that at a Bono, at a YouTube concert. I've been there. I know this. Um, and that's exactly, you would come in the door and I would feel like we were your only client. That there were no other children before or after as the Jem was your favorite and, and I, you know, and I know that to not be the case that you now, I know that we, we have a special place in your heart, but that you make every single one of your clients feel that way. And, and that, that made us listen to you and trust you because you were always about what was best for Jem. My goodness, when he was in kindergarten and it, and he had to learn how to count to 100 by the 100th day do you remember this yes and we had a clinic the night before the 100th day and i was freaking out i was like he can't do it you guys and he has to be able to do it by tomorrow and it, and like what was going to happen if he didn't i don't know but he was going to be behind and that was the one thing we said, we were not going to let him be behind again. And, and, and you were like, well, let me try it this way. And, and then you would try. And, and then you were like, no, no, wait a second. Let me try it this way. And then I don't know, it was like the third or fourth time. And you said, give me a minute. And you were over in the corner. You were always in the corner tearing paper and yeah. writing things down. And, and you came back and you said, no, I think I I understand what the disconnect is. You were like, and you said to the room full of people, give me a second here and you sat down with him and you said, Jem, look at this. And I remember you had papers that said 10, 20, and 30. And then you had one through nine and you laid down the 10. And first he did the one through nine and you picked them up and then you laid down the 10. And and then, then we did 11 because he could get to 12 and then he was gone. He didn't understand that it was sets of 10s. And you visually showed it to him and I watched him learn it. And no one partied harder than you did. You were dancing around the room <laughs> yeah. and you were lifting him up and going, dude, yeah. you're the best. Yeah. And everyone yeah. was crying and you weren't going to let it go. You were going to, but, but it was always the thing of, I'm, I'm going to find the way to teach it the way Jem's going to get it.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's something that, um, I, I say it a lot now with my, um, cause I do, uh, private clients and consultations where I just say, look, we should, we have to stop manipulating the behavior and start manipulating the environment, adapt the environment to them. And that's the only way we can then teach them to adapt to the environment. Um, And I think that that even like, you know, it goes to like schooling and, you know, you know, the word when I started in the field was we want them to be normal. I, I, I'm not normal. You know, like, what is normal? That word was so, it became so, you know, and then they started saying, well, neurotypical. Even that, you kind of go, look, no, it's, it's that, that the fact that, like, neurodiversity is a thing now is really important that we understand.
1: Yeah. Sarah is saying my therapist always tells us, give your child the same consideration that you would give any adult. Thank you. Amen. And she says, don't take stuff like their tablet from them without a warning. And then she would ask us, would you snatch a mobile from an adult? What a great, what a great, great reminder. I I I like your
0: therapist a lot.
1: Yeah. I like her too. Um, I love, you know, that Dr. Pichet always says it has to be fair, which is basically the same thing that you're saying. It has to be fair. And that whenever we're, we're looking at what's happening with a child, you know, we we have to apply that mindset to it. I want to pivot a little bit to talking about Dr. Grampuche because you came to our house and were at our house for a while. And I think it was already that you'd been for three months, left, gone to Florida, come back and been working with us for like, I don't know how long. And you started talking to me about Dr. Grand Pichet. And I was always like, Peter, talk to the hand. I don't really know who this woman is. I don't wanna know who this woman is. I've never met her. She's not coming in my house and making a difference. You are, I really, I'm not all that interested. Uh, and you just kept talking to me about her and saying, oh, Shannon, if you ever met her, your head would explode. Um, and I just poo-pooed that because for me, you were everything you were everything. You were, you always will be our autism whisperer. You were, and you kept saying, but you know, she's the one that, you know, believed in me and taught me this and And I'm, you know, you said all these wonderful things. And then finally, when I met her, I was like, oh my goodness. And I, I said to her the other day, I was like, oh, well, uh, I guess Peter's right again. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, so I, I also owe that connection to you as well. Um, because now knowing her has also been one of the greatest privileges in my life too. Um, and, and that also came from you. So really, I, and I always say to her, you know, you gave me a gift that, um, no one else could have given me because she gave me the gift of you. And I made a video way back when, when Gem Martin, I made a video that you guys can find it's online. It's on YouTube on my old YouTube channel. It's called, uh, ABA, the, the, the autism miracle in my living room. And it's a, it's a video about Jem in the early years and doing therapy with Peter and eventually going to kindergarten. And in it, I say, you know, thank you for sending Peter because he was everything. And then soon, uh, soon, I, I'm hopeful because I wrote a I wrote a series of children's books. And uh, the second one is entirely, uh, you know, d- devoted to Peter. Um, and it's called My Name is Jem and I Have a Shadow Named Peter. And uh, it's my love letter to Peter. Uh, and, and I, you know, I keep saying someday that we're going to get that published and, you know, uh, my other book is coming out in, uh, June. So the, the children's books are in the pipeline. Um, so, cause you mean everything. I got to you know, look at the comments you, here. Say, I, say, I,
0: I knew it came, it came into this as like fight every urge. She's going to want to make you cry. She's going to make you cry, She's <laughs> cry. I'm sitting here biting my lip. I, I, you know, you know me and you know that like, I just like, I, I humbly accept those things that you say about me now. Um, and it took a long time for me to believe in myself and you know that, and that's a conversation we've had. Um, but, um, I I can never like, for me, it's still this, like, I can never live up to that title of autism whisper. It's so, it's so, um, it's humbling and I'm honored that you 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 still feel that way about oh, me, more 17 than years later.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, more than ever. Uh Ka says, yes, so many educators lump all children in one category. They don't seem to learn the children individually, how they work, how they learn. Not all children are the same. Autism or not, they're all unique. Amen to that, Ka. Sarah says, My therapist, uh oh no, no, we already did that. Uh, ABA Made Easy said, I was a BC ABA and I'm currently in residency for child neurology. I plan to start a clinic to focus on patients with autism and epilepsy. Any things you wish were available at your doctor's clinics? That's like, well, you know what? I love this question, but you should should pay Peter to consult with you. Um, (laughs) You know, um, but... uh, You know, I, I, I also, I'm going to say this and you can think about this, Peter. And if you guys want to talk privately on the side, I still am looking for, I know people have tried it and it's really hard because insurance does not make it easy, but I wish that there was a one-stop shop for, for parents you know if your child they've learned this about everything else that there it's it's multidisciplinary you need to have a lot of different things and the fact that they say to autism parents okay you know here's your backpack now you know we're going to tell you about this but we're not going to tell you about this and make sure you find Find a good speech and language pathologist. Good luck figuring that out. And, and if you miss the OT bus, oh, sorry about that. And you don't know about the funding that some people know. It's, it's crazy that parents have to go all of these places. but you know, that's all in my book about where to go, so it's the sh- <laughs> shameless promotion. My book tells you here's where you need to go to get all these things, but why isn't there a clinic somewhere who provides all of that in one place for a group of lucky parents and children? Uh, Parker says my male therapist was an education major and my female one was a retired teacher. So it worked. Peter reminds me a lot of my former therapist, Scott, who is now doing efforts to teach friendship to neurotypical students with disabled students. Amen to that person. And, uh, Amanda says they are building a Cortica here. It's based in California and now it's coming to Houston. It's a one-stop shop. Uh, I'm going to look more into that because I know people have been trying, but I just have not found any place that really is doing it successfully, Amanda. So I I would like to see how Cortica is doing that because I would love to be promoting a good one stop shop here on the show. Peter, I don't know how I didn't even let you say much of anything. Um, This was just about how much I love you. And, and what an amazing expert you are. I, I wish, you know, well, I'm just going to put it out there. I wish you had time to give us little tidbits from time to time. Maybe we could talk about that. Like Peter tips, sure. Uh, because (laughs) um, Peter's amazing. And if any of you have the opportunity to work with Peter, you are the luckiest of the lucky and take full advantage of it because he is divine um, and delicious and (laughs) fabulous and makes your kid feel like they can do anything, even when it's hard. Um, there were days that my son had a hard time and, uh, Peter helped him with dignity to get through when he was having a hard time. Um, so he is forever amazing. I didn't make you cry. I made myself cry. Uh, okay. So Amanda says we need his contact information for consulting. Reach out to me, Shannon at autism-live.com and i will make sure that you guys get connected but peter is willing to travel peter has traveled you spent a great deal of time in south africa
0: south africa jordan ghana dubai abu dhabi saudi arabia as well um canada a little bit but yeah
1: He loves to travel. So that's not an issue. And, um, but he is based here in LA and he's staying based here in LA and you'll have to fight me over that. (laughs) Uh, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, I I don't want to get combative here, but yes, uh, in any case, So excited to have you here. We have to do it more. And next time, I'll try to let you speak. We can always apply the tape like we do when Kobe Bird comes because I don't (laughs) like to say anything.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been you have no idea
1: how much I love you, Uh, and and my husband feels exactly the same way, and so does my kid. Y'all are
0: family. Y'all are family. And my
1: mother felt that way up to her very last breath. Uh, she was like, that young man is something special because my mother could see that as Dr. Dream did. Uh, ABA made it easy. Thank you for responding. Yes, that that's the goal to incorporate medicine, ABA, PT, OT, and speech in one place. Well, reach back out to us because, like I said, we would like to be promoting places like that. Uh, and, you know, write to us if you want Peter to be a consultant because he would be good for you. Um, if you're in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, I put that asterisk on it? Are you in L.A.? <laughs> but, or he can consult long distance or fly back and forth. But he has to come to L.A. from time to time. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In any case, uh, yes, we love you, Peter. Can I just tell you guys that on tomorrow's show, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, we've got some really great things. We have a, a young self-advocate who started a program called Driving with Autism because Peter knows that's right where we are. Uh, In fact, Peter has been pressed into service to come over and and drive with a certain human being who's, uh, you know, 18. And uh, Ka says, if I can't have Peter, any therapist trained on him would be awesome. Yes, it's true, Ka. (laughs) Um, Anyway, also on tomorrow's show, we have an amazing who's going to talk. She's a senior in high school. You just saw her mom on the show last week, Summer Dabs, who is the fabulous OT. And I mentioned her really talented daughter who is a senior in high school. She's taking an AP research class and she's doing a study on siblings. So she she has a survey that she would like for you guys to fill out that would help her. But she's also gonna talk about what some of the challenges are and what services might be available for siblings. So that's uh, all, Madeline Dabs will be here tomorrow on Tomorrow Show Plus in the news. So that's what's happening tomorrow, uh, and hopefully soon we'll have Peter back. Peter, I love you. I love we you. Will, we will see you guys tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye bye for now.